Blog Talk Radio. Napoleon Gomez, you remember him? 
he was on our show. He's a steel worker, a Mexican union leader. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, he's the, um, uh, uh, the president, uh, president of the Mexican of the mine and metal worker. Right, and uh, um, industrial, industrial, I believe is the name of the union. As long as Global Mexican union. workers don't have rights, workers in America are under threat. With these words, Napoleon Gomez Urutia, president of Mexican Mine and Metal Workers Union, Los Mineros, addressed the AFL-CIO Executive Council at a meeting in Atlanta on February 25th. AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka welcomed Gomez, who received the AFL-CIO Meany Kirkland Human Rights Award in 2011 but could not attend the ceremony because of criminal charges filed against him by the Mexican government. Today, with the support of the steelworkers, the AFL-CIO, and the global movement, labor movement, Napoleon has defeated the false charges against him and is here with us, Trumka said. This is a great victory for democratic unionism and international solidarity. In his remarks, Gomez argued that low wages and repression of workers in Mexico hurt U.S. workers by reducing exports to Mexico and creating unfair incentives to relocate plants from the United States. Workers in the U.S. and Mexico have to fight together even harder for justice against inequality, he argued. Well, the Los Mineros Union has doubled the real wages of its members in the past de- decade. Most Mexican workers face repression when they try to join democratic unions. That's why we must work together to just stop the Trans-Pacific Partnership and demand real labor reforms in both of our countries, Gomez said. When we had him on, he actually was, a- was appealing the case where he had been charged. Oh, yeah. And was living in Canada. That's right. That's right. And, um, yeah, he wrote a book, um, I, I believe I, it was Dignity or something. Was yeah, the name of it. I don't and, remember uh, the name of it. He was a very good guest. He was very knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, very yeah. nice man. And his father had been in the labor movement. Yeah, his father yeah. was a mining. He was the head of mining. Yep. So um, he, oh. is, he worked very he, hard uh, to. They had threatened to kill him and his family. That's yeah, why he had to yeah. go to Canada. But I guess he was able to get the charges dropped against him, and he's uh, continuing to work for um, fairness in labor, not only in Mexico but around the world, fair treatment of workers. Yeah. Um, Chris Christie, okay, this guy is one of the biggest biggest pigs I've ever seen. This guy is such a crook. But Chris Christie settles ExxonMobil case after oil giant gave the RG, a Republican Governors Association, big cash. All right? Now, this, this, this makes you sick. This is the kind of guy that he is, you know. He, he just... Uh, but, hey, let me, let, let, me, let me read this. International Business Times. Uh, before Governor Chris Christie's administration abruptly settled the long-running state environmental legis- litigation against ExxonMobil, for far less than originally expected, the oil behemoth donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to a Republican group that Christie ran and that financed his election campaign. Additionally, the Christie administration office uh, that engineered the settlement has been run by a former Exxon lawyer. I mean, come on, right? 
Uh-huh. Come on. When when the case was initiated in 2004, when Democrat James McGreevy was governor, New Jersey sought $8.9 billion in damages in a suit alleging that ExxonMobil damaged more than 1,500 acres of waterfront and meadows. Yet, according to documents reported on by the uh, by the New York Times on Friday, the Christie administration is settling the suit for just $250 million. Based on ExxonMobil's 2014 revenue of $411.9 billion, it will take the company roughly five years to generate the sales to pay out the settlement. What? You know, this is absurd. All right. Uh, they, I mean, it's going to take them five years to pay off a $250 million settlement after they've made $411.9 billion in 2014. One wonders what well, crooked bastard. Well, yeah, yeah, he got a hundred, a couple hundred thousand dollars, and got his election uh, paid for by them. All right, nothing, peanuts. But the guy's a pig, you know. Christ, he's a pig. All right, the hundred thousand dollars is sell out of state for eight point nine billion dollars. What well, a freaking rotten well, pig! Well, do you think he's any different than Roland, who was our governor? Roland's Roland's a pig too, and he's in jail. Okay, so there's nothing. I mean, I, we said Roland was a pig back in two thousand when we were first on the air. Uh, you know, uh, we we we. Oh, I mean, he's, he's, Roland was as corrupt as they as they get. Well, this guy's all right. This pig. guy's a corrupted bastard too. I mean, what a what a pig! All right, and you know, just a pig. And Christie's administration is still in the suit. Okay, federal records show that the re- reduction, which re- represents a huge gift to ExxonMobil, follows a wave of campaign cash from the company to Christie-run Republican Governors Association. Since Christie's first run for governor in 2009, ExxonMobil has donated more than 1.9 million dollars to the group, according to data compiled by Political Moneyline. That includes 79,000 during Christie's 2009 campaign and 200,000 during his re-election. Peanuts! It's the freaking peanuts, this guy, you know. It also includes 500,000 when he chaired the organization during the 2014 election cycle. But it's absolute peanuts, and he sells out. He sells out the state for $8.9 billion. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. What a friggin' crook. Okay, according to New Jersey State document, ExxonMobil has employed the firm uh, Public Strategies Impact as a lobbyist in Trenton. In October 2014, Gannett Newspapers reported that the same lobbying firm cemented an exclusive strategic partnership with Christie's departing deputy chief of staff, Lou Gotting, who is listed on the firm's website. Jesus. Mm-hmm. The website, which uh, includes a lot of a laudatory comment from an ExxonMobil official, says the firm's outreach to lawmakers can include meetings with the governor's chief of staff and deputy chiefs of staff, meeting with cabinet-level officials, meeting with key staff members in the executive branch, and meeting in key department staff. Public Strategies Impact gave the Republican Governors Association $80,000. That's nothing. It's peanuts. And they... And, and they that's the upfront. I mean, that's, who knows what else they gave over. Yeah, well, that's what they gave publicly. But I'll bet you this guy... Look at this prick. I'll bet you, they, I'll bet you he got paid off in big dollars. But what what a what a jerk. What uh, a complete here jerk. is um what a jerk. A Trumka jerk. talking about the um what a jerk. The Trans Pacific Partnership. What's up? The Trans Pacific yeah, Partnership. What did corporate gar- uh, giant corporations do with their trillion dollar tax cut? We'll talk I'm about the that. President next. Of the Today I want to 
talk to you about fast track. Yeah, you the people who went fast track, that is no debate. I want to tell you how complicated. I want to tell you that globalization and tariffs and market share are so complicated you can't understand. Jobs and lower wages. That's it. Lost jobs Yep, that's what the fast track means, lost jobs and lower wages. Well, much of the Internet this week was focused on escape llamas, figuring out what color a dress is, or mourning the loss of SAG-AFTRA member and Star Trek icon Leonard Nimoy. We can forget that legislation is still being pushed that would make the lives of working families worse whether it be the right-to-work policies pushed by the allies of Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin, who likes to compare workers to terrorists in other states like New Mexico and West Virginia, or the ongoing negotiations for a trans-Pacific partnership using the fast-track process. We need to stay alert. Let's see what else. If you're not sure what Fast Track is, check out the video above, which I just played for you, where AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka explains it quite simply. If you need a more in-depth premise, the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers provides one. Meanwhile, the Communication Workers of America is holding meetings across the country to try to convince members of Congress that fast track is wrong for the country. And the more we look at the TPP might turn out to be, uh, and the more we look at what the TPP might turn out to be, we find out that it has elements like investor state dispute settlement, or that it won't require potential members to comply with international labor rights. If you think this doesn't sound like what working families or the American economy need right now, you can sign the AFL-CIO petition opposing Fast Track. So if you agree with that, that you oppose Fast Track, you can go to the AFL-CIO blog now and go to the article on Fast Track um, where you can sign a petition opposing it. And you don't want the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership Fast Track, People haven't even read the whole law. They don't even know what it, you know, partnership and what that agreement to. is. They're not, they're not allowed to. It's done in secrecy. They have no idea what the whole thing is. It's not going to be good for us. That's why it's being done in secret. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, i got, got another issue here. Uh, uh, AFL-CIO says that... Um, we have a winner. Scott Walker is the worst governor in America. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, well, uh, let's just go to that here. The list of horrible governors across the country, including Sam Brownback from Kansas, Chris Christie, New Jersey, Nikki Haley from South Carolina, Bobby Jindal, Louisiana, John Kasich from Ohio, 
Paula Page from Maine, <laughs> Rick Snyder from Michigan, Rick Scott, Florida, and Cummers, and uh, Cummers like Asa Hutchinson from Arkansas, and Bruce Rauner from Illinois. It's hard to imagine how Scott Walker from Wisconsin could rise to the top of the heap, and it is a pretty big heap. But that's just what he's done with his latest comments comparing working families to terrorists in the Islamic State, also known as ISIS. And knowing how Republican primary voters think, Walker probably just shot to the top of the party's presidential contender list, too. Imagine that freaking ape, terrorist ape, you know, uh, Walker being uh, governor and, and being, oh, my God, the whole thought of it. The thought of having a guy like Christie anywhere close to 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 to, to, to the presidential uh, candidacy, or or a guy like Walker, I mean, it just tells you how far gone this country is, okay, and how crazy these damn Republicans are. Oh my God, <laughs> it's just frightening. And and then he has the audacity to call working class people, working families, a terrorist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking at the Conservative Political Action Conference, one of the nation's largest gathering of extremists, Walker chose to wax eloquently on the topic of terrorism and violent groups like ISIS. He said, if I can take on 100,000 protesters, I can do the same across the world. Yeah, you read that right. Well, the governor of Wisconsin just compared working families standing up and speaking for their rights to violent terrorists who behead their innocent victims. The CPAC crowd didn't boo him off the stage like a crowd of actually patriotic Americans would have. They responded to his speech with chants and run, Scott, run. God, what a nightmare. I mean, they should arrest that whole block of people down there as freaking terrorists. Oh, my God. Governor Walker's statement comparing workers and terrorists is revolting. Okay, This is what Trump there said. It is clear that Governor Walker's judgment is impaired and that he is not qualified for the presidency. He says, I call on Governor Walker to personally and immediately retract his statement and apologize sincerely to millions of workers in Wisconsin and throughout America he is so appallingly insulted. And a spokesman for Walker later said, I'm paraphrasing, you know that things where Walker compared workers with terrorists? Well, he didn't mean that in a bad way. He just really wants to be president, seriously. And the spokesperson said something about leadership and then blamed Obama, an actual quote. What the governor was saying was that uh, was was when faced with adversity, chooses strength and leadership. Uh, I want to read what Elizabeth what Warren's co- comments yeah. are on the TPP, she, especially one section sure, of it. Sure. Well, it's pretty much a given that big corporations, not walking, working people, have been the winners in free trade agreements like the North American Free Trade Agreement and the Central America Free Trade Agreement over the years. Warren exposes the frightening tool in the Trans-Pacific Partnership that gives corporations unimaginable powers over the United States legal system. And I can't understand why Obama would support something like that unless he's a traitor to his country. I don't know. Here's Here's how she describes the Investor State Dispute Settlement, or ISDS, provision. The IS, this is in the Trans-Pacific Partnership, The ISDS would allow foreign companies to challenge U.S. laws and to potentially pick up huge payouts from taxpayers without ever stepping foot in a U.S. court. Here's how it would work. Imagine that the United States being toxic 
stands a toxic chemical that is often added to gasoline because of its health and environmental consequences. If a foreign company that makes the toxic chemical opposes the law, it would normally have to challenge it in the U.S. court. With the ISDS, the company could skip the U.S. courts and go before an international panel of arbitrators. If the company won, the ruling couldn't be challenged in U.S. courts, and the arbitration panel could require American taxpayers to cough up millions, even billions of dollars in damages. But that's not the worst of it, she writes. The panel of arbitrators wouldn't employ independent judges. Nope. Instead, highly paid corporate lawyers would go back and forth between representing corporations one day and sitting in judgment the next. Maybe that makes sense in an arbitration between two corporations, but not in cases between corporations and governments. If you're a lawyer looking to maintain or attract high-paying clients, how likely are you to rule against those corporations when it's your turn to sit in the judge's seat? Here's an example of how the ISDS works, but keep in mind only international investors, by and large big corporations, get to use these special tribunals. So if a Vietnamese company with U.S. operations wanted to challenge an increase in the U.S. minimum wage, it could use ISDS. But if an American labor union believed Vietnam was allowing Vietnamese companies to pay slave wages in violation of trade commitments, that union would have to make its case to the Vietnamese court. So there's no fairness. As Warren points out, ISDS is not a partisan issue. Giving foreign corporations special rights to challenge our laws outside of our legal system would be a bad deal for all of us. Is there any more to that? She has a full column in the Washington Post. I want to see what else she wrote. So you can read another one while I... What did giant corporations do with their trillion-dollar tax cuts? Well, they bought out other companies and consolidated their workforces, which cost the U.S. jobs. They moved their manufacturing operations to other countries, which cost the U.S. jobs, and spent millions on lobbying and campaign donations to convince politicians that they needed to keep and increase their tax cuts in order to create jobs. They didn't. They, they, what, they did, what didn't they do? Create jobs, all right? Yeah. Great jobs plan, GOP. What else you got, all right? Yeah, these guys, these guys are sick. Forty-one senators who are roughly paid $172 an hour, they voted that the American workers are not worth at least $10.10 an hour. Isn't that interesting? Sure. Yeah, what pricks, huh? But they're they're definitely worth 172 bucks an hour, right? Plus Benny's. I don't think so. Here's something interesting. Bank of Canada urges Star Trek fans to stop spocking their fibers. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, ever since uh, Leonard Nimoy died, uh, Canadians are, I guess, the, 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 the five, five, $5 bill over there, your fibers, okay? The, whoever was on the $5 bill uh, looks a lot like Leonard Nimoy. 
Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so what the Canadians have been doing uh, to commemorate uh, Spock is they've been making making <laughs> they're making uh, they're turning the guy who's on their five dollar bill into 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 Leonard Nimoy into Spock. Uh, uh, yes, uh, and the bank is telling Bank of Canada is pleading with Star Trek fans to stop spocking their five dollar bill. Since Leonard Nimoy's death, Canadian folks have been spocking the hell out of their five dollar bills, <laughs> which features the portrait of Canada's seventh Prime Minister, Sir Wilfrid Laurier. Sir Wilfrid now sports on certain bills at least the pointy ears <laughs> the signature Vulcan haircut and eyebrows and Spock mantra, live long and prosper. According to Bank of Canada, it's not illegal to do this, but however, there are important reasons why it should not be done. Writing on a bank note may interfere with the security features and and, and reduces its lifespan. Making markings on a note may also prevent it from being accepted in a transaction. And furthermore, the Bank of Canada feels that writing on marking on bank notes are inappropriate as they are symbols of our country a source of natural pride. He says, I say Spock the hell out of them all. It ain't, uh, it ain't illegal. Sir Wilfred Laurier's face wasn't that interesting anyway. <laughs> In fact, let's just make this a permanent improvement to the Canadian $5 bill. <laughs> I think that's funny. Uh, you got to see it. It looks just like him, huh? Yeah, it's just yeah. like Spock. Uh, judge tells Christie obey the law and fund pensions. A New Jersey Superior Court judge has taken Governor Christie to task in ruling that forces him to contribute his share to the New Jersey state pension system, just as public workers have been doing all along. Public sector workers accepted steep increases in their health care and pension costs in 2011 in exchange for a promise that the state would start paying what it owed. Retirees gave up a cost of living adjustments in exchange for the security of knowing their benefits would continue to be there. Public workers have never scripted their contributions. The governor is the only one who has not lived up to the, to the deal. If as It's as if he is intentionally trying to bank up the system to force public works and public workers into 401Ks. Christie's lawyers argue that the 2011 law, which the governor initiated, promoted, and signed, was unconstitutional. Huh. It's an argument that bewildered virtually everyone, including the judge, and proved beyond a doubt that Christie has no credibility on this issue. Or any issue. Hmm. Christie's a crook. Now, just let, just let me finish. Now he's at it again. In an otherwise empty budget address, the governor proposed to wait for it, putting the squeeze on public worker benefits again. As New Jerseyans can clearly see, the governor has been blinded by his own political ambitions and hasn't been acting in the state's best interest for a long time. Christie touted the 2011 pension reform law as a landmark achievement that would ultimately save the state pension system. Instead of blaming public workers for problems they didn't create, we're asking the governor uh, to live up to the law he signed and fully fund pensions. So, you know, typical of Christie, isn't it? Yeah. This is something, uh, a little note here, but, you know, to me it, it's kind of an important thing to note because, I mean, 
no matter if you're union or non-union or no matter if you're American, it's important to note that America has been at war 222 out of 239 years since 1776. Wow. Imagine that. So this is this is a uh, this country is embedded in war, uh, you know, creates wars and survives and 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 thrives on war. On it's a war economy. It's been it's been for its entire existence, and it's really amazing that uh, you know that it's continued like this. Yeah. No one's called it out. It's amazing. Okay, the Pentagon just announced that it will blow $1.5 trillion on the F-35 fighter jet. That's right. But that's enough to pay for 273 million Pell Grants for students, 721 billion healthy school lunches, 101,000 new elementary schools. Imagine that. 101,000. Wow. 5.7 billion monthly Obama premium subsidies or... 150 million hospital stays. Imagine that. I can't. Imagine that. And they want to blow 1.5 trillion on the fighter jet. It doesn't make any sense. It makes absolutely no sense. What are they going to do with it? Fight. In the F-15, in the F-35 fighter jet, <coughs> they claim is is uh, isn't even a, is a useless plane, right? I mean, it's just it's somebody, somebody who I, I probably Boeing or uh, Martin, Martin, you know, uh, Martin, who was it Martin Lockheed, Lockheed. Martin? Okay, uh, you know, are just pulling somebody's uh, chains over there, and uh, you know, just keeps milking well, the, the system. Kind of gone, it's full of yeah, they just mm-hmm. keep milking and milking the system. It's it's really a sick situation, and I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm getting tired of it, folks. I, I don't know about you. But guys like Christie and all these other clowns, they just make you sick. You know, they, they really just make you sick. Now, here's this idiot. NYP commissioner blames legal marijuana in Colorado for increase in New York shootings. What is the? Do you think the air is blowing from now, Colorado? I think, I, I think so. Yeah, what, a, what a moron. They, they've got some of the biggest idiots. I mean, uh, ever since the Giuliani, okay, They've had, uh, I mean, well, Kerrig, now, Kerrig, who is well, the Now, the now Cuomo, he's at war with the teachers. Yeah, well, Cuomo, <laughs> Cuomo is not like his own man. Cuomo's an idiot, too. He's bought and paid for by the Yeah, he's nothing, he's nothing like his father. Nah, he's a bought and paid for schmuck. Just like this this guy here, this commissioner, Bill Bratton. What a joke. Okay? He says that New York... Uh, Department Commissioner Bill Bratton blamed a slight uptick in violence in the cities uh, on marijuana. Okay, he says it's a seeming innocent drug that's been legalized around the country in this city. People are killing each other over marijuana more than anything that had to deal with uh, in the 80s and 90s with heroin and cocaine. I don't believe any I don't of it. Believe any of it. In some instances, it's a casual factor. Causal but, factor. But in an, in a uh, in a, but it's an influence in almost everything that we do here. Uh, hyperbole at its finest. Even if this year's uptick holds uh, through December, and it's worth noting that we're only dealing with eight weeks of data here, New York would end the year with 383 murders. The city saw 225, uh, 2,245 murders in 1990. 
2,245 murders in 1990. Wow. 2,245 murders in just one, one year. Right. I'm not exactly sure by what Rube Goldbergian chain of events Bratton thinks links legalization in Colorado and Washington to causing homicides in New York City, but it's clear that he thinks that there's a connection. Another uh, NYPD official said the problem appears to be rip-offs, not turf battles, but uh, attempted robberies gone wrong. Of course, if we want a more direct ex- examination of what effect legal pot might have on homicide, we can just look at the cities where it's legal. Here's what we know. Homicides dropped 24% in Denver last year, the first full year of legalization in Colorado. Robberies were down 3%. Berkeley was down 9.5%. The only crimes that increased significantly were larceny, a property crime, not a violent crime, and arson, which uh, seems unlikely to be related to marijuana. Overall, violent crime dropped 0.7% uh, and uh, dropped crime rates uh, dropped 2%. Homicides did increasingly slightly did increase slightly in Seattle uh, from 23 to 26, the largest city in the other state to legalize the drug. But it's more draw, difficult to draw conclusions there because the Washington law was quite a bit stricter than the Colorado law and still left room for a thriving black market. Of course, we only have a year's worth of data from Colorado, but then Bratton is drawing broad conclusions based on just eight weeks. I won't argue that legalized marijuana is responsible for the 24% drop in homicides in Denver last year. There's not nearly enough data to jump to a conclusion like that, but it's still a hell of a lot more defensible than arguing that it's responsible for an increase in homicides in New York. Is this guy crazy or what? Yeah. I mean, this is unbelievable. NYPD. Yay. That's an appointed guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's some more fun stuff to read here tonight, but um, uh, I wanted to... uh, uh, If you drink coffee pods, you know, from those coffee pods... I saw that. We do that, um, you know. uh, But uh, I'm sorry to say we're guilty. What's the healthiest way to keep everyone caffeinated? I don't have one. They're kind of expensive to use, John Sullivan told me, frankly, of Kerr K-Cups. These single-serve brewing pods that have fundamentally changed the coffee experience in recent years. Plus, it's not like drip coffee. It's tough to make, which would seem like a pretty banal sentiment were Sullivan not the inventor of the K-Cup. Uh-huh. Almost one in three American homes now has, an iP- has a pod-based coffee machine. Even though... Sylvan never imagined they would be used outside of offices. Last year, K-Cups announced for most of Kerg's Green Mountain $4.7 billion in revenue. Wow. More than five times what the company made five years prior. So even though he gets treated like a minor celebrity when he tells people he founded Kerg, Sullivan has some regrets about selling his share of the company in 97 for, oh, my God, for fifty thousand dollars. Oh no! But that's not what really upsets him. He's Kirk sold his company. Oh my God! The 
In 2010, journalist and caffeine aficionado Murray Carpenter visited the current facility in Waterbury, Vermont, reporting for New York Times that the cake cup idea posed environmental concerns as the pods were not recyclable or biodegradable. Oh, that's a problem. It was the same year that the Keurig model seemed to take off, doubling in sales. In a 2011 Local Boys Make It Big story in Boston Magazine, Eric Anderson, a professor of marketing at Northwestern University, likewise noted that the coffee machines could invite significant backlash because they generate a ton of plastic waste. Uh, See, that's uh, uh, at the time of Carpenter's visit, Kirk was on pace to sell 3 million K-cups. So to say that growth has been good since uh, this is an understatement, last year, they topped nine billion. Holy cow! They sold nine billion wow. cups left. But today the cups are still not recyclable or biodegradable, of course, and they only stand for becoming rapidly more ubiquitous. Later this year, in partnerships with Coca-Cola, the company will release a machine called Curry Coal, which will introduce Coca-Cola's global brand portfolio to the machines, growing rapidly closer to the corporate mission. A current brewer on every counter and a beverage for every occasion. Though the predicted uh, back, consumer backlash has arrived, especially in recent months, the company continues to grow. Others have entered the market very successfully, while drip coffee maker sales are stagnant. Uh, pod machine sales have increased sixfold wow, since 2008. Looking back at his invention amid increasing public condemnation of cake cups as a skirt on the planet, Solomon told me, I feel bad sometimes that I ever did it. And, uh, and this is a long article. Holy cow. I didn't realize. Um, as a 20-something Bostonian in 92, John Sylvain didn't have a particular passion for coffee, but he was drinking 30 to 40, cup, 30 to 40 cups a day. I can't imagine that. I think you need a, at least a, a couple of cups there yourself. Yeah. <laughs> right now. 30 but to 40 cups, cups a day? day? I don't know how you could drink that I much. I can't either. He had to drink that much because intent on starting his own business. Sullivan had left his menial office job and become his own test subject for coffee. <laughs> Which was at times barely palatable, but he could produce via homemade product. <laughs>
the, first, the, the machines are not too expensive as appliances go, but you can get one for $63, a bargain for a taste of the good stuff. But once you have one, it has you, too. The cups contain a mere 11 grams of ground coffee, vacuum-sealed with nitrogen to prevent oxidation. K-cups are extremely profitable, selling standard coffee grounds for around $40 per pound. <laughs> but what are you going to do? Not buy the refills for your machine? That's true. I mean, you've got to buy those things. Otherwise, yeah. you know. And when the pertinent K-cup design patent expired in 2012 and the company was suddenly flooded with off-brand competitors, the company created a second-generation machine that would not only function with current brand cups, it's a digital rights management, the coffee equivalent of Steve Jobs' attempt to fill iPods only with music sold through iTunes. That might seem like a reasonable, defensible move to protect intellectual property and keep a corner on the market, except that some of the competitors' cups are nearly completely biodegradable or reusable. Aha! Well, that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Which does a little to defect the growing criticism that Carrot Green Mountain is not seriously prioritizing sustainability. Mm -hmm. Watch this. Oh my, Sullivan sent me a link to a YouTube video entitled Kill the K-Cup. Hmm. It was an apocalyptic two and a half minutes of K-Cups raining down on humanity like hellfire. Flying monsters and aircrafts are entirely of K-Cups shoot, shoot K-Cups down into people's cowering in the streets, which are filled with empty K-Cups. Thank God. The video is highly produced uh, with Hollywood-level Cloverfield-esque uh, special effects and disdain for subtlety. K-Cups are quite literally destroying the planet, and the implicit scale of the tragedy is enormous even if we only see two people actually crushed by K-Cups <laughs> in the documentary. Well, we oh, use God. some yeah. cups, but they're not necessarily made by Keurig either. So we no, should no, find but, out but, whether but, our, uh, some of them are biodegradable. Yeah. So we need to look into that. Yeah, we have to make sure there are. And, um, I never thought about it. How about that? That's pretty stupid on my part. Yeah. I never thought about it. You don't about think about it. You I know, didn't, you didn't think about you, that. You just thought that it was coffee, and you didn't think, and they're, they're, then you're right, they're plastic. They are yeah. plastic, but you'd think they were biodegradable, wouldn't you? You, you didn't think, I never I thought of that. I never. Being, being, being environmentally cautious like we are and concerned. But I wasn't we, that we, way. I didn't think silly. it didn't occur to me. It's silly. I yeah. hate to uh, admit my stupidity. I hate to really admit it, too. And I, I never really thought do. about it. Yeah. And I'm sorry that, that a lot of people know. When you look at it, the top of it looks like it's a biodegradable paper. Yeah, it? well, I didn't think it about it. It looks like paper, and you, you think that you don't think that the thing's plastic. You think it must be, you know, some kind of a, a biodegradable. To tell you thing. the truth, I never even thought about it. You don't. You really don't. It's because you you just you just kind of assume that it is, you know. But uh, but anyway. Makes me feel bad. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, Doomsday sequences are interspersed with statistics that drive the point home. In 2014, enough K-cups were sold that it placed end-to-end, -end, they would circle the globe ten and a half times. Wow. wow. Almost all of them ended up in landfills. They are not recyclable. Using them is extremely wasteful and irresponsible. They are a stupid way to make coffee, but that simply cannot be sustained. Stop using them, stop using them, stop using them. Kill the K-cup before it kills our planet. And then they made a, something on YouTube. Yeah, they, this is the one. Let's just see what it looks like. It's funny. I know you can't see it out there, but... Uh, 
says, uh, 2.14, they used to kick ups reach unparalleled levels. Output became so high that there were enough discarded kick ups to circle the earth ten and a half times. Why can't they be recycled?
prototype failed to accomplish as much. And because the K-pop cup is made of plastic integrated with a filter, grounds and plastic foil top, there's no easy way to separate the components for recycling. A Venn diagram would likely have little overlap between people who pay for ultra-convenience of K-cups and people who care enough to painstakingly dissemble said cups after use. Still, the Internet is littered with stories of personal revelation that pot accumulation can't be a good thing. I wouldn't describe myself as the most environmentally conscious person, writes one user on the food blog Chow. But as I emptied the K cup bin at work this afternoon, it occurred to me that this is quite a waste. A commenter on another site describes the unsettling experience of regularly walking to work in a financial district past a dumpster full of coffee pods every day. Wow. Even in Halifax, Nova Scotia, one of the first places that can recycle Category 7 plastic, K-cups are accumulating in quantities that alarm people who see waste coming out of offices using the machine. Uh, Egg Studio Production Company, for one, CEO... Uh, Mike Hatchy uh, remembers the joy that enveloped his office when Keurig machines first replaced their swill percolator. Any cup of coffee he want, we want. And look, they brew Starbucks. That's true. I, I know, that was the excitement I, I had when I first saw those. You know that? Huh. I, I, you too, I'm sure. You know. And uh, where we li- where we where we live, recycling uh, programs are quite good. Hatchy explains to non-Canadian me. So you become accustomed to recycling everything. Hatchie and colleagues were in battle every time they finished making a cup. We didn't have, we didn't like having these little pods that we couldn't just easily open up, uh, compost the grounds, and recycle the plastic. He explained, even for the employees who are willing to take the time to separate the lid, remove the paper filter, and compost the grounds, the local recycling facilities were struggling with the cups falling through sorting grates. Well, I'm sure somebody will figure it's this amazing. out. It's amazing, yeah. I mean, you know, it, 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 it was such a great idea, really. But, you know, it, it's killing the planet, so we're going to have to stop using ours, too. You know that, Leto? Huh? Yeah, okay. Yeah, well. I'm going to look for a biogra- like a, Spoken like a word. true addict. <laughs> addict. Yeah, okay. And no, I think we got to do that, because, I mean, it's bad. When I kicked my carriage to go to the curb. Well, anyway, let's go. Yeah, well, I kicked to the curb. I killed the cake cup. Americans love cake cups, but their creator regrets inventing them. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I think they could, somebody's going to figure out how to. DEA warns Utah yeah, lawmakers that legal funny. pot could lead to stone rabbits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is really funny. You've got to yes, be kidding. This is a very funny story. I think this must be a No, no, this is true. This is true. No, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, this is true. And it says, uh, Utah lawmakers are now considering legalizing marijuana in their state, which as the DEA, uh, Drug and you know, Enforcement Agency, very concerned about the impending threat of stone bunny rabbits. Oh, my God. Senator Mark Madsen recently introduced a bill that would allow patients to legally possess and use medical marijuana. Well, Madsen is looking out for his constituent, Special Agent Matt Fairbanks, is convinced that legalization would only turn the cutest animals mammals against them. Okay. <laughs> in, a, in a testimony presented to the Utah State panel, this is true, true stuff, 
Fairbanks shared his harrowing experience with hares uh, as part of the state's cannabis eradication team. The deal, in fact, ideal in science, says Fairbanks, prefacing his argument for the preservation of drug-free wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> Fairbanks said that, uh, that at some illegal marijuana growth sites, he saw rabbits that had cultivated a taste for the marijuana. One of them refused to leave us, and we took all the marijuana around him. But his natural instincts to run was somehow gone, said Fairbanks. Despite Fairbanks' concern over fearless stone rabbits uniting to take over the Great Salt Lake, the Senate committee approved the measure by a three-to-two <laughs> three vote. That's funny. Oh, really? That's yeah, funny. Right. Yeah, really, really. Right. really. People are crazy that. Uh, they're trying anything and, and everything to, uh, to, to uh, you know, to, to, to kill. Even stoned uh, rabbits, huh? Uh, yeah. But it's like that, that idiot commissioner in uh, in New York. Yeah. Right? Same craziness, you know, there. It just doesn't make sense how these people get away with it. Uh, here's something, too, that well, It doesn't like. make sense to me. It's how they get as far as they do in life. That, you know, just just so you know that, because you know, we we like to cover GMOs and we like to cover uh, national uh, uh, protests and stuff uh, that are going on. But uh, NationalSociety.com has this article, and it's got hundreds of farmers uh, block roads in protest of 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 Monsanto's GMO crops. Excuse me, this is in Poland. Uh, largest farmer uprising. Poland's largest farmer uprising ever has occurred as convoys of trucks took to the roads recently in protest of GMO infiltration and land grabs by biotech and big uh, ag corporations. More than 150 farmers blocked roadways and held numerous demonstrations in order to bring attention to the important issue of food sovereignty in Poland. Their focus is a ban on GMOs and a restoration of small farmers' rights after decades of oppressive health and safety regulations, which take away from small farms and give them to mono, uh, mono-cropping, poisoning big ag mega-companies. Hmm. The farmers have been stalwart refusing uh, to call off their demonstrations until their demands are met. Rallies and demonstrations have littered the country in over 50 locations and hundreds are picketing government uh, offices in addition to the road blockade. In the largest organized farmers' protest the country has likely ever seen, the farmers are demanding that legislators protect the small farmer from exploitation by monopolizing companies and refuse to sell off of their country's land to these behemoths. And as the farmers point out, once the land is sold, the big ag model can't be stopped and the land is lost forever. Now, you see, why don't we do that here? I don't understand why we're not more. Uh, our farmers here, why aren't they blocking the woods? Why aren't they going to Monsanto and fighting these things? You know what I mean? And uh, they can't. They, 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 I don't know. They just don't. I don't know. Instead, they're putting all this crap on their lawn. On their, they're, they're growing this crap. You know. And uh, it's really tough. It's, it's really tough. And I, I, we're, we're paying a horrible price for it. This is uh, one of the farmers here in Poland who said that we are here at the border to demonstrate the global solidarity of farmers in the face of corporate globalization. The corporate 
takeover of agriculture has impoverished farmers, starved communities, and force-fed us hazardous genetically engineered crops, only to line the pockets of the handful of multinational corporations like Monsanto at the expense of farmers who are struggling for land and livelihood around the world. So, you know, uh, Pesticide Action Network, as well as other sites, you know, just so you want to know, uh, the Global Policy Forum explains, uh, you can go to these sites, and you can check this article out uh, on naturalsociety.com, all right? And we're just about at the end of our show, yep. and I want to thank everybody who joined us tonight. And, uh, Are you going to be on tomorrow night, Ray? I will be on again tomorrow night, yes. And, uh, but I wanted to... Uh, and don't forget about fake olive oil. That's something that people should keep in mind. Oh, we mentioned. I think we mentioned that last night. Yeah, you know, last just night have show. to make sure that people don't forget that. Yeah, just that. know that the fake olive oil is out there, and to use only... Uh, we, we said it last night, but we can mention it again tonight. There's only uh, this uh, site, which is... Uh, uh, local grown. And, uh, yeah, they need to go to that ar article. Eat local grown and go to the article fake olive oil, what you need to know. Yeah, it says uh, okay. Bertoli, Cavolto, Filippo Berrio, Mozilla, uh, Mazetta, Newman's Own, Safeway Star, and Whole Foods are all bad. They don't they're meet all, the they're, they're extra not, virgin oil standards. They're not extra virgin oil. They're, they're frauds, okay? That whole food is a fraud of a company, I'll tell you. They they really sell a lot of uh, bad Junk. stuff, a lot of stuff. Pretending to be organic yeah, and exactly. all that kind of thing? Now, there's a, they only have a list of, they only have six uh, 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 olive oils that have actually passed the uh, the test for, for a real Cot olive oil. Corto Olive, California Olive Ranch. Kirkland, Kirkland organic. organic. We buy that. That's you can buy that at uh, that's a Costco um, uh, brand. Lucero or Ascolano, McAvoy Ranch Organic and Pompian. Right. I've never used those, but the Kirkland Pompeian Organic we, we, we can vouch for. Yeah. We, we've used Pompian. Yeah. Okay. But the uh, Kirkland we definitely can vouch for. It's excellent. It's very good. Yeah. In fact, we used it tonight. We were, we were it. Well, good um, night, folks. So, yep. So have a have a pleasant evening, everybody, and please join me tomorrow night.